At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This one comes from Robbie R. Do you actually like Florio? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. As a as a man, as a person, do you like Mike? <laughs> I do. I'm ashamed to say it, but I do like him. I do. Yes. Uh, as a player or something like he'd write something about you, and you know, yeah, he'd write a little like where I write copy paste, copy paste, snarky comment, and you're like, man, did he really need to add that comment at the end of that article about me? Like that's <laughs> up. He said that he's incredibly smart. He's on the side of the players 99 out of 100 times, which I'm with as well. So, yes, I do like Floria. Yeah, yes. we can't show this to him. Oh, they'll probably play this on the show tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that, but I have an important question for you. What's that? Christopher. Yes. What the hell was up with your shoes yesterday? Oh, baby, you liked those, didn't you? What the hell was that? Ooh, baby. Yeah, I know. I wore some crazy ones. I got, like, two crazy pairs of, like, Nike Kyrie Irving, and, you know, they call it Nike ID, right? My little boy, he was sitting there, like, making his own shoes and the crazy colors. I was like, you know what? Get me a pair too. I'll do it. You know, whatever size you are, get me a size. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a summer look. You know, I I feel yeah. like if it's warm, I can get away with it a little bit. <laughs> Ron, Ronald McDonald called. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but but I, I appreciate I appreciate the kind sentiments. By the way, by the way, right. I have a project for your son that entails providing you with a new Zoom name. For the next time you're in some sort of an NBC chat, so right. something other than Chris Sims pops up. If you paid attention to the text chain last night, you know what I'm talking about. And some of the rest of you who have seen the video that's making the rounds may know uh, what we're referring to as well, but that's all we can say about that. Yeah, just, thanks. Uh, thanks for leading me just down a road us. of no comment but, there. Thank you. <laughs> but 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 Philip, I, I have a project for Philip. Okay. And uh, right, I, I, I I will I will achieve success in that regard. But again, thank thank you for hey, that. Hey, no problem. Valentine's know, Day. Yeah. I didn't know that they let you smoke in the building. Because uh, that's <laughs> yeah. the only way right. you're gonna end up saying something <laughs> like that. Or, or or they were serving Don Julio in the cafeteria yesterday, either way. Well, so, I, I don't uh, I'm always surprised when people ask that question too, because I, I don't feel like we fight a lot. I know we have our little back and forth, but I I never feel like it gets like too crazy or contentious between us. Uh and then I'm always just a little shocked too because I'm like, man, did yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I like him. I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm not that good of an actor to where I could pull this off every day. Could you imagine how awful it would be oh. to have to work with somebody two hours a day and hate them? I, and I know that right. there are people in TV who play that game, right? Yeah. They keep their mouths shut and they just deal with it and they despise each other and they have no relationship beyond that window of time that they're on air together. I can't imagine living like that. I can't imagine tolerating that. It's not worth it. Life's too short. 
to deal with people you don't want to deal with. Yeah, I'm so, with you, yeah. I mean, I think of Mike and the Mad Dog, you know, up here growing up, right? That whole story, there was a great 30 for 30 on it. Not only did they not, they go through a period of not really liking each other, they had to sit in the same studio. At least if I didn't like you, you're a thousand miles away. I don't have to deal with you. I mean, that would be really awkward if you were like, had to sit next to the guy you don't like and you got to work with him for four hours. Uh, I always found that to be like a crazy dynamic, listening to them kind of, you know, at the end of their little run there. Yeah, I don't get it. Now, it could make for good radio yeah, if people yeah. don't like each other and they're arguing all the time and it's real. And we have our disagreements from time to time and they're real. They're not fake. They're not contrived. That's, That's one right. of the things that I vowed when I got into this side of the business, away from copy-paste snarky comment and actually began speaking about it. I don't want phony, contrived disagreements because I think it's obvious to yeah. anyone who's smart enough to get it that it's fake. It's got to be real. It's got to be organic. It's not going to be, well, today I take this position and you take that position. Oh, we'll I could never do that. Good, we'll right. have a good sparring oh. session yeah. and, and it'll be good. It'll be good radio. Screw that. Because yeah. you know what happens when you do that, when you play that game? Eventually, first of all, it, it doesn't feel right. It's not real. And, and secondly... You end up creating a, a record of evidence of being all over the place right. on every issue That's because right. you're just doing it to fashion a hot take because the process of saying it is compelling, regardless of whether or not you actually believe it. So screw that. And, yeah, uh, screw that. We get along. Uh, and, and screw, screw you. you. So, <laughs> Let's screw go. You. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, the the players not saying screw you to the teams as phase two of the offseason program began. Most of the accounts that we have seen reflect that a very high percentage of players have shown up for what is the first portion of on-field, off-season workouts. Phase one, strength and conditioning. Phase two, on-field instruction. Phase three, organized team activities, an annoying eight-syllable phrase for football practice. So yesterday, everything I saw, high percentage of turnout for the teams. But, you know, one thing that I think the NFL Players Association should start doing, publicize, Chris, the situations where teams have made concessions. I saw yesterday Stephen Holder of The Athletic pointing out that the Colts yeah, right. got rid of the mandatory minicamp, reduced the offseason program, the remainder of it, to two weeks. The Bears got rid of a week of OTAs. These are, these are victories that the union needs to be pointing out because there's a lot of people out there looking at this saying, why have you guys fought this battle? You can't win. You can't win. Guys are going to show up. They're going to get their work in. The Juwan James situation guts everything you're trying to do. They're scoring concessions one team at a time. They need to be celebrating it, and they need to be hoping that what the Colts and Bears are doing, something that other teams may do as well. So it's time for them to kick in the PR machine and get the word out as to the progress they're making with some of these teams. Yeah, they're not the greatest at that. I mean, first off, I'm not shocked to see, like, you know, the, the amount of guys we saw in facilities yesterday, right? 70%, 80% attendance you kind of hear throughout the league, that type of number. Yeah. Higher than that, 70 or 80 total players when you're looking at 90, so it's higher than 70 yeah. or 80%. Yeah, sure. Because the max. Sure, sure. So, I mean, e either way, I I'm not shocked to see that number. Despite all the talk and everything like that leading up to this and the NFLPA stance, you know, it's, it's, it's too many – there's just – Every player, like we've talked about, they're going to have that moment where it's like, wait, uh, uh, okay, it's a week away from phase two. Do I need to go in there? And they're going to sit there or look at themselves in the mirror and just go through everything basically that we've said. Like, are you a star on the team? Are you just guaranteed to be a starter and have a lockdown spot on the roster? And other than like we've, we've, we've discussed, other than four or five superstars, everybody else is like, eh, I'm not sure. Mm, there is a guy right behind me that's pretty good. So, you know, again. Who will be there? Who will be who there? Who will be there? Exactly right. And who will be there and be getting in the good graces of my coaches as well. Where, you know, again, these coaches, I mean, they're not going to play the lesser player to a certain extent. But like we've talked about, if it's close, the tie's going to go to the guy who's there. You know, that wasn't the hostage. That was the volunteer. So I, I wasn't surprised to see that. And you're right, Mike, about your, your statement. The, the NFL, NFLPA, they need to do a better job of publicizing all their victories and, and a lot of different things. I mean, yes, I think they could be better in that department. You're right. I mean, 
We're seeing NFL organizations like, I mean, bend. You don't ever see that for the players. That's, that's unbelievable. They're compromising. So I do. I think that's big news in the NFL world, and it shows we're on to a, a, a new way of life in the NFL. And, and that is something that we need to praise because yeah. this was an uphill battle. This was a losing fight for the union going in because collectively this isn't the time to try to get the owners to make concessions. You had two opportunities last year with the new CBA that was finalized in March, and then they basically had to rip up the CBA, at least for 2020 and 2021, and replace it with something that would cover pro football in a pandemic, and that was an occasion to negotiate. And then even earlier this year, when they figured out the salary cap number, that's another opportunity to negotiate. I thought, hey, you know, why are you guys launching this basically – it's not really a wildcat strike, but it kind of is. You're flexing your muscles and you're withholding services and you're fully within your rights. But what leverage do you really have? What occasion do you really have to force a global change? Yeah. And they, they may not, but they're forcing change one team at a time. And so maybe this is a multi-year endeavor. And maybe at some point, the teams that have made some of these changes and have gone on to be successful in an environment with 17 regular season games, that will become the norm. Other teams will copy that. And I think that's going to be the litmus test going forward. Yeah. The teams that reduce the offseason program versus the ones that I, don't. I know. If the teams that reduce are healthier, more successful, that's going to be the argument for more to do it. Now, if it goes the other way, it's going to be harder to get this to spread. Chris. Yes, and I mean that—that that to me is it will be a huge tipping point. You're right. A year or two of this to see, you know, which way is right, which way is the correct way. You know me. You've heard my argument. You know, I—I I do think there is something about being on the field, emulating a game. You know, not going like, oh, we're on the field for only 45 minutes and we're off and we're fresh. That's great. But a game's longer than 45 minutes. And there's moments of sitting around and listening to a national anthem and TV timeouts and things like that. You got you to gotta emulate that. So that's going to be something like definitely to watch for. Those numbers will tell us a lot. I think the other thing, Mike, that's like kind of interesting here is it's like, uh, and, and, and maybe this is to the future to what you're talking about a little here too. I mean, I'm just surprised it's kind of happening individually. You know, it's it's like one team at a time. I always thought this type of move would be, you know, under the umbrella of all 32. But the fact that you're seeing, like, personal ne- negotiations between player reps and, you know, GMs and coaches and organizations to figure out a schedule that makes sense for that football team – you know, I can get behind that. That's the wave of the future, maybe. The wave of the future. The wave of the future. What movie? I don't know if you'll remember. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, you know. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. The, what is it? Uh, what is it? Leonardo then? DiCaprio, the airplane movie, when he's, uh, you know, the, the rich guy that uh, makes airplanes. Howard Hughes. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, sorry. Edgar Bergen. But, but I found that interesting. Sorry to change the subject totally there. That was totally off base. Um, but... Yeah, I thought I thought that was. It's not the first time it's happened. It's not, and but it, individual and it won't be the last today. Individual negotiations, Mike. Though, like we're used. To, I was shocked by that when I saw that. I was like, wait, teams are cutting their own deals here. Uh, I, I I never expected that. That's what Tom Brady encouraged when he yeah. participated in the conference call that was held now eleven days ago, where all players. It was four p.m. Eastern on a Friday. All players were invited. I'd love to know how many actually were involved, but I'm told by someone who was on that call, Brady did a great job, spoke well, and set forth this objective of negotiating directly with the teams. Now, some scoffed at that and said, why do we have a union? If you want the players to negotiate individually with the teams, there's no reason for a union if we're on our own. But I think at this time, whether this was part of a grand plan or just kind of accidentally unfolded this way, The way to get these teams to bend a little bit was to threaten to withhold services in the offseason because they have the right to do it. And just enough stayed away from just enough teams to get their attention. And I also think part of it is the teams looking at what happened last year, factoring in the reality that they've got 17 regular season games that they're going to want to keep their players healthy for. And 
those teams, the 14 of them that make it to the playoffs, are going to want to keep their players healthy beyond that. They don't want the tank to hit E at week 18. They yeah. want it to, to still have some gas in it when they get to the wild card round, division around, conference championship, Super Bowl, ideally for two teams. But I, I, I like the fact that it's happening. And again, so much of this is about messaging. And the union has taken a beating from most in the media who look at this and say, you can't win. Why are you doing this? Guys are going to show up. It makes no sense. You're putting guys at risk of not getting paid. Case in point, Jawan James. So they, they need to, and I feel like at times there's a reluctance by the union to, to pump its own merit yeah. and to thump its own chest and toot its own horn and like the people who understand it they'll figure it out and those are the ones we care about I still think you have to be willing to play the PR game and you're willing you have to be willing to stand up and say hey quit quit criticizing us we, we got this and JC Treader did a little bit of that yesterday Chris in an item that was posted at the union website I I, I you know there, there was some stuff in there I didn't disagree with like trying to blame the media for part of this, I, I and, and the line was this, for the small number of players who choose not to volunteer their time, the media writes articles questioning whether they are team players or some kind of locker room problem. That doesn't happen very much. That really doesn't. I mean, the pressure on players to show up comes from coaches, fundamentally and primarily. The I media is saying so-and-so's not there, he's not a team player. At, you know, that, that may be part of the pressure that the coach is trying to exert through the public relations aspect but I, I think that the main reason players show up is they want to keep their coaches happy and yeah. like you said but for that handful of guys who are secure in their starting jobs not just their jobs but their starting jobs it's very easy to make the argument for everyone else that they need to be there and and so kudos to the union for finding a way to turn what appeared to be a certain defeat into a string of victories and I want to know I've asked the union Give me the whole list of teams that have bent, of teams that have that have revised their offseason program. You know, the headline of the ESPN, Bears have 70 players show up. Buried farther in the item, Bears have agreed to get rid of a week of OTAs. Bears have agreed to make the practices less intense. That needs to be as, as prevalent and as conspicuous as the attendance rate. They're there because... The Bears have agreed to bend, and I think that the union's next job is to make a much bigger deal of that and to post an item from J.C. Treader listing all the teams that have said we're willing to ask you to do less if that'll get you to show up. Yeah, I, I, I get you that. I mean, I get you there. I think that is a positive for the NFLPA, no doubt about that. You know, and well, I, I guess where I'm just interested to see is where it goes individually. You know, again, I get back into like the type of players on each team and all of that where, I mean, really, I have a hard time thinking anybody's going to talk to Bill Belichick and negotiate him down for like <laughs> less practice time. Hey, Bill, we're, you know, we're thinking we want to do less. Okay. Even though we haven't been doing that much already this offseason, I just don't see how that goes down. Maybe he makes concessions a little bit about fixing the schedule to make it more accommodating as far as days and people like things like that. But that's where I think it's, you know, another part of this test going forward, like you said, is going to be watching these teams that, you know, do have full attendance, do have a full slate of OTAs and the full threshold of phase one, two, and three and everything like that to see where that goes. But I would think there's a handful of teams where certain players are just not going to feel comfortable about going to their head coach or their GM and going, let me have this conversation. That's a gutsy conversation. When you become that player rep that is known to be a pain in the butt, right? Really pro player and always in the coach's office, letting them know what's the union and, hey, there's these rules and, you know, talking to the union about things that the teams are doing. Listen, the coaches, they know. They don't like that. That's where it's scary, too. It's scary. They'll hold it against you. They will. And, and then the next team that wants to sign you as a free agent, they'll know, too, because that coaching staff will tell you, well, yeah, he's a good player. But, man, he's he's a handful as far as all the union stuff and all that. Man, we always had to deal with them. And that'll turn teams away, too. So it's a very care careful dance at a political game here with all this stuff. And that's why it's important for the superstars to get involved in this effort, because they're yeah. the ones who are immune, at least for now 
from getting any type of an adverse reaction from the head coach. And, you know, the Colts are going to shut it down next week. That's At early. the end of next week. Ooh. That's before Memorial Day, and they're going to go until late July with guys left to their own devices. I think that's part of this, too. You need to be able to trust guys to take care of themselves in the two months between the end of the offseason program and the start of training camp. And you also have to be able to trust that guys, when they are away from the structure yes. of a team, are not going to find themselves in any type of trouble. Because that that used to be a much more significant problem for the NFL. But as clumsy as it was, as ill-advised as it was, as awkward as it was, the Ray Rice situation from 2014, the aftermath of that with Greg Hardy and Adrian Peterson, that got the message through to a lot of players about staying out of trouble when they're not part of that team. So we'll, we'll see We'll see how the Colts do between Memorial Day and late July. And if their players show up in shape and ready to go, then, then and, and they do well this year. Yeah, right. That may be the kind of thing that, that spreads to other teams. Mike, one, right. one, one right. more thing. Can I just add one more thing on that? Just, sure. I just, I wonder with this, just because I remember when I first got in the NFL, like Mike Shanahan and the Broncos in their prime, right? They, they went to a, a little bit of a phase there where they let their players kind of have off a little bit in the month of June. And they would have OTAs in early July. I don't know if you remember that. Maybe it was it was very odd. They were one of the only teams that, like early July, those first 10, 12 days, they would do OTAs and then break for like ten days and come back for training camp. I wonder if we'll start to see certain changings of the schedule like this. You know, because of what you said, like hey, the Colts thing, where coaches are going to be like, I just I'm not comfortable with the fact that my guys aren't here for two months, and then all of a sudden we hit the ground running and doing that. Uh, I wonder if it'll make the coaches change their approach a little too. Sorry about that. I had a, I had a conversation yeah. exactly along those lines with someone on Saturday about the reality that they need to take a look at the offseason calendar and they need to maybe cluster these workouts closer in time to training camp. Right. So you don't have that long period where it's shut down and guys potentially fall out of shape. But he- here's where the real world gets in the way. Yeah. People still want their four to six weeks off from the management side. Right. The coaching staff. Mm, very the front real. offices. You're the right. The folks at the union who run the show there. They want mid-June to end of July shut down so they can go have their vacations and do their things. That's that's a human reality. Sure. If, if you're sputtering, you never really have that extended break where you can just get away from it. So uh, it, it's going to take a lot to bring back what the Broncos were doing where you have, you know, around the 4th of July, everyone's called back together because the coaches want to get away. They Front do. You're right. Front want to get away. The season's so intense, they need that time off. All right, Ryan Kerrigan had some time off between teams. He became a free agent back in the middle of March with everyone else. Nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And then it happened yesterday. Before the show, he posted on Instagram a farewell to Washington, which made people say, well, where is he going? We found out a couple hours later. He's going to the Philadelphia Eagles, staying in the division. Uh Uh-oh. Now, hey, look, the Eagles are are in the midst of an obvious, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a rebuild. It's just this strange on-the-fly shedding of players and trying to figure it out, but he stays in the division. Hey, look, I I don't know how strong the demand was for his services. I saw a report that the Steelers and Bengals wanted him, but it all comes down in many cases to how much you're going to get paid. And, uh, you know, maybe the Eagles made the best offer, but Kerrigan, the all-time sack leader in Washington football team history, now makes the move in the division from Washington to Philadelphia. That was kind of a surprise yesterday because he'd been out there. He'd been available for so long. But we see that after the draft, there are teams that still have needs. There are veteran players out there, and some of them end up getting their jobs at that point yeah. after teams address or don't address their needs in the draft. Veteran guy, you know, probably not being looked at to be a starter, a guy that you just want in the rotation to play some, you know, some good snaps in every football game. He's going to be choosy about where he goes because of the point he's out of his career. Wants to go somewhere where he knows he's going to play and, of course, the money and all that stuff too. So, yeah, you're right. That's not surprising. Definitely not. And and I didn't expect him back with the Washington football team. I mean, come on. The Washington football team, that front four, they got one her, her, you know Hercules after another there. Kerrigan, though, a legend, really. 
I mean, not a Hall of Fame football player, but an NFL legend as far as I'm concerned. Certainly a legend and a ring of honor type of guy for the Washington football team. And I think there's a real need for his services on the Eagles. The Eagles are a team right now. I think like you said it. They're a rebuild. It's a rebuild. They can call whatever they want. They're, they're, they're tearing it down and going to build it back up here. And this guy, good culture, going to add some good you know minutes on the, on the defensive end, rushing the passer and be part of that rotation. And they love that rotation. When they won the Super Bowl in 2017, I think they had eight guys that yeah, they, they rotated did. in, constantly keeping him fresh, keeping the pressure on the offensive line, which usually only has five guys with a swing guy, so they get worn down later in the game. Now, Kerrigan, 16th overall pick in 2011, feels like he's been around forever, and it's a long time. It's 10 years. But he's still one year and two days younger then a guy whose name continues to pop up, a guy who hasn't played in a regular season game in nine years. And, and Chris, I tripped across this yesterday as we wait for the white smoke to come from the chimney of the Jacksonville Jaguars facility announcing that they're finally signing Tim Tebow. Greg McElroy, who was a Jets backup quarterback when Tim Tebow was a backup quarterback and a very part-time tight end. Here's McElroy from late last week appearing on Sirius XM ESPNU with his thoughts on this possibility of Tim Tebow joining the Jaguars as a tight end. Like everyone says, oh, well, now he's finally doing what he should have done 10 years ago by switching to tight end. Y'all, we were with him in the Jets. We were like, I played with him. They tried to switch him to tight end and he wasn't good. Like that's what people don't acknowledge. They're like, oh, well, they'll just use him as a Taysom Hill player. Tim ran a 4-8. Taysom Hill runs a 4-4. I mean, they're just two totally different players. I mean, Tim is a good dude, and I, I hope the best for him. But it's laughing. It's a sideshow. And, and that's what it will be come training camp time. And I think it kind of undercuts and undermines a little bit of what Urban Meyer's trying to build. As someone that's gone through training camp with Tim... There are going to be players in there that are rolling their eyes with the amount of attention the fourth string or fifth string tight end gets, and it's going to piss people off. And as a result, it's going to affect locker room chemistry, just like it did with us at the Jets. Not because anyone had any animosity towards Tim. It's had animosity towards the coverage that Tim receives. So that's, I think, going to be... I think it's a stupid move. You're starting your tenure at, at Jacksonville. You're... Setting the tone. People saying, well, he can help with leadership. Let me get. Let me tell you what helps with leadership in the NFL. Money. <laughs> like, you want guys to be incentivized, pay them. That's what it comes down to. There's no leaders. Oh, well, he's an old consummate leader. No. Guys follow the money. If guys are getting paid big smack and they're performing at a really high level, that's who they'll follow. You know, Greg McElroy really needs to come out of his shell. And no, I mean, damn, he, he laid it out there. <laughs> he did. By the way, on behalf of Greg McElroy, sorry, Manchester, for <laughs> one of the things McElroy said during that clip. But, you know, Chris, um, hey, and, and it, it occurred to me yesterday to just ask the question, what's up with Tebow? Because Urban Meyer, the coach of the Jaguars, said over the weekend he'd get together with his staff on Sunday and they'd make a decision. Well, what's the decision? Yeah. What, what I, I I really do feel like they have to figure out what they're going to do with Gardner Minshew so when Tebow lands, they can maximize the Tebow 15 because you can't start selling Tebow 15 if you still got Minshew 15 on the roster. That's such a superficial obvious point, but, it but won't I think have that's the same one effect. of the problems. It won't have the same effect. I agree with you there. I mean, listen, he's associated with the number 15. I'm with you. You know, and hey, listen, Greg McElroy, I think he made a lot of the points that we, we made last week, except we tried to be a little bit more delicate with it, and he yeah. just came out and said it, <laughs> which I, I appreciate and I respect. But he's right. I mean, you know, the way he said it, 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 it hits home. It hits hard the way he said it, too. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this. Hey, it, it's the circus when Tim Tebow comes to town. It is. And players will resent a guy who's like, wait, he didn't take a rep in practice. But every media member is going to be around him in the locker room and talk about him and give him, you know, coverage and hype and everything like that. That will make players annoyed, right? I mean, that, that, that's just part of the situation. And, yeah, it is a, a first-time NFL head coach trying to build a culture. And this is where, you know, I don't know. 
I feel like the fact that it's delayed a little bit here recently, I think Urban Meyer maybe is like taking a step back and realize, wait, I love this guy. I love him. I mean, we know that. He'll do anything for him. I mean, you've never I mean, he's obsessed with Tim Tebow. So there's a real place in his heart for him. But is it really the best thing for his team and that going forward and everything that way? And I feel like the delay, I don't know. Lately I've gotten I've got the feel that I think he's gonna he's gonna say no to this because he's he's noticed kind of the the attention around this and maybe what it could do to his football team. And it's so much more than just giving a guy a spot on the 90-man offseason roster. That surely isn't the end game. The end game is finding a way to get him on the football field. And I think at the very least what happens is he's on the practice squad and he's one of the guys who gets called up for the game day roster because you can now bring up two guys from the practice squad, no questions asked, every week. That's that's the rule. Non-pandemic, that's the rule. So you could have Tebow, part of the team, comes up, put him in a uniform, wait for the right opportunity to throw him a football. and Because if, if you sign him and you sell a bunch of his jerseys and then you cut him in August, you're going to have some people who are not happy with the fact that they bought all these Tebow jerseys. So I and and that that's one of the things that that I can't process. Yeah, I hear you. People are like, oh, what's the big point. deal? You're just giving them a 90 man roster spot. Well, the big deal is you're gonna you're gonna use this guy to generate interest and sell tickets and sell jerseys, and then you're gonna cut him. No, if you're signing him, you got to be ready to make him part of your team for 2021. That's the thing that people are missing. And the other side of it too, because I've seen this argument. Oh, what's it matter? It's a 90-man roster. It's just one of 90 spots. There's 90 spots right now. Yeah, but there's another guy out there who deserves that spot. Whoever it is, whatever position he plays, there's a guy out there who's been busting his ass and dedicated to football and can't get an opportunity, and they're going to take one of those 90 spots. Oh, it's 90 spots. It's Yeah, and there's hundreds of guys who want them. You're given that 90th spot. To the dog-faced boy, the bearded lady, whatever sideshow act you want to call it, that's what you're doing. What's it going to do to your football team? What's it going to do to your locker room? What's it going to do beyond those people who flock to the team shop and buy Tebow 15 and then start agitating for Tebow to play not just tight end but quarterback? That's it. There's a deeper issue yes. here that yes. Myers just glossed he's just glossed over right. emperor of Gainesville emperor of Columbus not emperor of Jacksonville that's not how it works at the NFL and maybe you're right maybe he's realizing from the resistance he's getting that that this may not be the best thing for me to do I, I think it's scary you know and I'm, I'm rooting for Urban Meyer you know I've known him since I was in high school it recruited me I mean I got a lot of respect for everything he's done you know, just from a guy that's Did been he recruit around. you to play tight end? Well, no, he didn't. But he, but but he's you know sure just has. from a, a guy that's on the outside looking in. I, I respect everything about him. And if I was to advise him, I'd go, man, this just ain't smart. I, I'm I'm with you. You made the the other good points where I wanted to go. You're right. I mean, then there's going to be the clamoring. Oh wait, it's preseason. Give Tebow the ball. We're at the one inch line. Let him run it in. Come on. You know, I mean, that that's where he was built. You never saw a fan base go so crazy over a guy getting a, a, an inch and a half gain for a touchdown on, a, on the one-inch yard line. Hey, we got Percy Harvin. Hey, we got all these all-stars. Let's let Tebow run it in from an inch and a half. Touchdown. Like, yeah, that's where you're going to get issues. And it's just going to build and build. And that's where, yes, I think it is scary. And you're right. I think the, if he gets on the team or he's there – the clamoring for him to do something at quarterback is going to become a thing too. And I just think it's for a young football team. They got a lot of young players with the, uh, an, an inexperienced coaching staff to a degree with college guys and everything like that. I just think it is. It's a scary, scary sideshow that I think could derail things in a big way. This is something I never do, and I can't say never because I'm going to do it now. I'll say this is something I rarely do. What I rarely do is read on this show word for word something I've written at PFT, but I like how I put it last night, and I won't be able to duplicate it. So let me just read this passage. Through it all, there continue to be two camps when it comes to Tim Tebow. 
One camp shrugs at giving Tebow a job that justifiably could go to someone else. One camp touts Tebow's leadership, work ethic, and drive. One camp thinks the other camp is blinded by the fact that it simply doesn't like Tebow. The other camp contends that a football roster represents a zero-sum game and that by giving Tebow one of the 90 positions, someone else more deserving of that opportunity won't get it. The other camp wonders why, if Tebow's attributes are so desirable to an NFL roster, the Jaguars have become the only team remotely interested in offering him a roster spot in years. The other camp thinks the first camp is blinded by the fact that it simply likes Tebow too much. Right. It's a microcosm of our broader yeah, issues, right. isn't it? I, I mean, yeah. I'm, An- another word starting with T that has four letters behind it. Well, isn't that the litmus test right now? Listen, Isn't that what we're, we're fundamentally dealing with well, here? I, I don't want to go there. I know I've said my white privilege things, and I know, <laughs> I know, but you're right. I mean, I know that I'm not right there. I, and you know what? My, even my dad, he said something to me yesterday. He's like, that's not right. You're not saying the right phrase there. That's just not right. And I was like, you know, I understand. But, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is a little bit what you're trying to get at to a degree. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, uh, listen, I don't know any other way to put it. It's, he's the most overrated sports figure in our, our country this century. I, this, there's no other way for me to say it. I mean, he won the Heisman going 9-4. and four. Nobody wins the Heisman going 9-4. and four. <laughs> He won the SEC. He didn't even win SEC Player of the Year. Darren McFadden did. But it was because he was such a media creation – and Urban Meyer would just never would stop talking about him. He got all the credit on a team with 22 NFL players that were like all pro players, like good, one of the greatest college teams ever. It was just Tebow, 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 Tebow. Never anything else. You didn't hear anything else. So he's a creation. And that's where it's like, that's to me where the, like, and again, I know it's not the right phrase, but this just, this cult, this privilege aspect of just like, yeah, this figure of a guy for what he stands for to a degree instead of the merits being looked at, really. And I think that's what bothers me. It bothers most athletes and uh, the people that have been in the locker room and everything like that to where it just it doesn't make sense. But that's when you hear the response, the merits or the work ethic, the leadership and the drive. But, but why has the rest of the league ignored him yes. for 10 years? McElroy said it best. Yes, he did. The problem you're getting into is – the fact that you're going to have media descend on Jacksonville to cover the fourth or fifth string tight end and other guys are going to resent it. And I don't care that there's been a dramatic overhaul of the Jaguars roster. These are still grown professional individuals in that locker room who are going to see what's going on. They're going to roll their eyes and gonna say, what in the F did I sign up for? And Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick and Hey, he works hard and does everything too, but nobody will talk about it if that comes to that in training camp. It's only going to be about one guy, and then now you're squashing the leadership of the guy you're trying to make the leader of your football team and some other young guys who you want to have a voice of your team because it's all the media talks about is, hey, did, did Tim motivate you to drink Gatorade better today? Did he? Because he drank it like this, <laughs> and then I saw you Stop. do that too, and it like did it motivate? Like that's where it, it just snowballs into this crazy crap where you're just like, it's insane. They're gonna give him credit for everything, so that's where it just it it's insane. I don't even know any. any I, I've seen that. the argument, Chris, yeah. that that this is some sort of next level genius yeah, by right. Meyer to right. allow Trevor Lawrence to develop without a lot of extra attention. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, you, you, he hasn't minute. had you any gotta, attention to Clemson either. He can't handle it. Yeah, it's been a little yeah, tough yeah. there. It's yeah, hard. what the hell is that? I know he's the unquestioned number one pick. We've known he was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft from the moment he was a true freshman at Clemson. And this guy needs cover. Yeah, this guy needs right. someone out there who's going to suck pressure. up all the attention. Right, right. It's insane. Now, I know. Now. It's some of the thoughts that come out of that side, like you're talking about, are insane. And it's like you you don't you don't know how to where to start with the argument sometimes. I will say this, the last 15 minutes would have been a lot more entertaining if we did set up phony arguments and one of us took the other side. I mean, it was fun the way it was, <laughs> yeah, but can right. you imagine oh. if we naturally disagreed on this? <laughs> I know, My no. God. You're right. We'd have some fireworks. We really, we yeah. might actually not like each other at the end of the segment after today. By the way, by the way, do you know the only person who won the Heisman Trophy from a team with a losing record? Do you know? Do you know? Ooh. Do you know? Mm. I'm going to say it's somebody on Notre Dame back in the day. 
Paul Horning? Yes. Paul Horning? Yes. Boom. Yes. Boom. Play the horns. Well done. Thank you very much. I think much. that counts. I think that counts. I love that sound. I love it more when it's directed to me answering a question, right? That counts as winning the uh, the first pick in the draft that we're going to do later. All right, good. That? I'll take it. All right, uh, let's take a break. When we return, the Colts are high. Oh, they're high on Carson Wentz. Sorry, I didn't read all of it. We'll be back with more. The Colts, not me. The Colts. (laughs) We'll be back with more right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I think it's a collaborative effort and um, that we work with Carson. But yeah, you stick your neck, you know, you stick your neck out for players as a head coach or a GM or a scout or coach we all do it obviously as a head coach um, sometimes you have a little bit more say in it than maybe a position coach but um, that's what you love about it I mean you have to I love sticking my neck out for people I believe in Um, so yeah I'm willing to put it on the line for players that you believe in I believe in this team I believe in Carson Um, so uh, yeah I feel good about it I do know that you know his play his play will reflect, you know, the work that he does. It'll reflect the work our team does. It'll reflect the work that our staff does all in preparation. So, but I don't mind being the point person on that. Frank Reich, Colts coach who was the Eagles offensive coordinator in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz was injured in December that year at the Rams, torn ACL. Nick Foles came in and got it done. Frank Reich getting the chance to get Carson Wentz, inherit the contract, got GM Colt, uh, Colts GM Chris Ballard on board with it. And you know th- this is what's fascinating me because Reich is caught between Doug Peterson, the former coach of the Eagles, and Wentz. Something went wrong with that relationship, right. clearly. Right. Something dysfunctional caused those two guys to fall apart, and it manifested itself in Wentz being awful last year. Frank Reich believes it's not about Wentz. Frank Reich believes Wentz isn't broken. He said yesterday, I cringe when I hear stuff about Carson Wentz being broken. Chris, this to me is is a fascinating experiment. Yeah. Because will we see the Wentz that we saw 17, 18, 19, or will we see the guy that we saw in 2020? Yeah. We're going to find out fairly quickly. They got the Seahawks coming to town to start the season. No, I mean, in a lot of ways, I, I mean, it, it, I feel like it's it's a little bit like the Ryan Tannehill story to a degree. I mean, just in the fact that, I like, I think, you know, revisionist history a little is like, you know, it's all about last year. And we look at it, and yes, last year wasn't good, and he did some stupid things, and they weren't good as a team. There's no doubt about it. But I do feel like, yeah, like you're kind of saying, the three years before that are kind of being lost in the shuffle. And one of those years being like MVP caliber football to where you can't forget about either. So, you know, I, I think we're, we're we're seeing a story of why I say Tannehill is just he's going to a place where the offense is going to fit him. Yeah, he's getting a second chance. But what's even greater than the Tannehill thing is like what you said, Mike. There's a real relationship here. There's a guy that was part of the process 
in drafting Carson Wentz. I mean, I've, I had conversations about Frank Reich. I mean, uh, about Carson Wentz with Frank Reich, you know, his rookie year and things like that. You know, I think the way he talked about him, he looks at him as a, a special player. You know, big, moves well, good arm. I mean, he's got everything you want as far as physically to be the franchise, be the man, that guy, that dude type of quarterback. And now maybe with the Colts and that culture there and Frank Wright kind of leading him down the way, maybe that bridges the gap too between the locker room and Carson Wentz where there's not like his strength, obviously. That was an issue in Philadelphia. So uh, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. It's going to be an interesting experiment, but one where I just feel – I think I'm going to be shocked if it doesn't work, I think, more than the other way around. It was early 2019 after the Eagles had to make a choice between Wentz and Nick Foles, and it was never much of a choice. They were sticking with the guy that they had traded up to get, the guy that they had decided to pay, the guy that they were going to build their team around. Foles left via free agency to Jacksonville, and the story started to come up about Wentz as a guy that yeah. – maybe a little aloof, a little standoffish, not not the kind of personality that you need to pull the team together. And, and he actually legitimized those reports by saying, yeah, I need to get better. And, and you continue to hear just little flashes of that, that this may partially be Wentz. Now, maybe Reich knows how to draw you know, the better aspects of his personality right, out. And there are right. certain people who will have that effect. Definitely. On, you know, we all, we all have mixed aspects of our personality. We've got an inclination to be good. We've got an inclination to be difficult. And the people you're around will either draw out one or the other. And maybe Reich knows how to draw out good Carson Wentz. And maybe it's once Reich left after they won that Super Bowl to cap the 2017 season after Josh McDaniels jolted the Colts and the Colts are looking around, who the hell's our coach going to be? And Frank Reich's gone, maybe not having Reich in Philadelphia. Maybe that's one of the ingredients in Wentz not having someone there who would speak to and attract his better angels. Well, I, I think there is, you know, a true human connection there between their faith, right? We know Carson Wentz, like Carson Wentz, very, you know, very into the Christian re, uh, religion and, and Frank Reich's the same way. So I do think there's a common bond with that. To your point, Mike, I, I think that is real. Uh, and, and I think it is real as far as, you know, the other things you're talking about, too, being able to draw the human out a little bit to be better that way, you know, Wh whatever that is. You know, Carson Wentz, I think, was one of those guys who kind of took the approach of like, hey, I'm the quarterback and I'm going to be the quarterback and, you know, not worry about everything else and just focus on my job and guys will respect me that way. Yeah, that's cool. But when you are that guy and you kind of like, you know, hey, you're friends with people in the locker room, but you never really let anybody in and like make them feel a part of it. You you put yourself into like, yeah, you got to win. Then you got to if you're going to be that guy, because when you don't do well and things go bad, people are going to look at you like, well, he kind of holds himself off as like a little different than the rest of us, or he's his own guy, and that's not always going to gain you the benefit of the doubt in the locker room. So hopefully Frank Wright can like preach that to him, and Carson Wentz. Hopefully he can just take some pressure off of himself to realize damn, this is a good team you're on. I mean, really good. Maybe better offense than you were on that Super Bowl team that year. So you don't need to do it all. And Wentz is one of those guys, Mike, too. He's got like, you know, he's got enough in, uh, ability individually to, at, when things aren't good, to kind of be stupid and careless because he's like, man, I'm good. I'm a great athlete. I've always gotten away. I'll make a play. I'll do something. And as we know, that just doesn't work in the NFL to live that way. So hopefully he can rein him in on all of those aspects and he can get back to being the great player he was two years ago. Receiver T.Y. Hilton, who was drafted by the Colts the same year the Colts acquired Andrew Luck, became a free agent earlier this year, eventually re-signed in Indianapolis. He's excited about Carson Wentz for one specific reason. Let's hear from Hilton. <sighs> I caught with him um, before, so um, you know it's gonna take take maybe a little bit, but um, I think we'll be fine once we once we get the throwing, once we understand each other. Um, like the, the one throwing session we had was was pretty pretty good. It was on the money. He has a big arm, you know, and he he likes to throw it. So um, you know it's exciting, it's fun. So um, you know it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be special. And we know you like to go deep down the field. We haven't seen that as much the last couple of years. Do you feel like there'll be an added emphasis in that? Uh, we can't give away too much, but uh, it's gonna be fun. 
Hey, you know, you got to have somebody who can get the football down the field if you want to make an offense go because you got to have that threat. Chris, as you said, when we realized what Patrick Mahomes is going to be, he forces a defense to cover every square inch, every blade of grass. When you have a guy that's got the arm to do that, the defense has more pressure on it because it's got to worry about what's behind it in addition to what's in front of it. Yeah, that's right. And and this guys a he's a big aggressive down the field thrower. That's where he, you know, made made his his move as an MVP type player back in 2017 and all that. You know, that's another thing that's, you know, was a disservice with the Philadelphia Eagles. You got a quarterback who can stand in the pocket and buy time and make big time plays down the field and they didn't have a damn guy to beat anybody down the field. So that's where it's going to be different. And their system at time lended it to, hey, wait, you're a big guy with an explosive arm, but we're going to jam in four-yard completions all the time, too. So that didn't really do anything to, like, accentuate his talents either. And that's where I think it, it could all work out here with the Colts. And if you asked, and I think we talked about this at the end of last year, the Colts, one of their big issues with their team last year, towards the end especially, was what T.Y. Hilton was talking about. It was Phillip Rivers, and no disrespect, but we know his arm wasn't exactly, you know, jump popping off the radar gun at this point of his career to where teams, yeah, they weren't worried about anything really deeper than 25, 30 yards down the field with Phillip Rivers. Now, to your point, it's going to change the dynamic of the offense and make Jonathan Taylor more dangerous and all the other little gadget plays Frank Reich has underneath more dangerous because of Wentz's big arm. Let's take a break. When we return, a Hall of Fame Packers GM would like all these diva quarterbacks in the NFL to get off his tundra. We'll discuss that (laughs) when PFT Live continues right after this. We got a lot of divas playing in that league right now. And the thing that I fail to understand is all these guys that are doing this have long-term deals. I can't believe that the game has changed that remark that I have to play. I know the game has changed, mm-hmm. but, but it can't have changed that much. It's Hall of Fame general manager talking specifically about three quarterbacks who reportedly or actually want out of their current situations. All three of them have contracts that last at least three more seasons. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, and Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. And and look, my first position, anytime someone starts talking about honoring the contract, having long-term contract, remember there's two contracts. There's your individual contract with the team. There's your broader contract between the union and the league. That contract, that CBA, gives you rights to withhold services, to exert leverage against the team, to improve your individual contract with the team. If you're willing to pay the price, 50 grand a day to hold out, bonus forfeitures, salary forfeiture, whatever it may be, you don't have to show up. The CBA gives you the right to stay away. So, Each of these guys, if they choose to, have the right to not show up. Now, here's the other side of it, too, Chris. Not a single one of them has breached their individual contract yet. That's right. They've just dared to make it known privately or possibly publicly that that they would like something different. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I I mean, listen, again, we had this conversation a little last week, or maybe it was the week before to a degree. Hey, like, I understand what Ron Wolf's saying. I've got great respect for him. Legend. But, like, uh, yes, the league has changed that much. The world has changed that much. Yes, when you got out, I mean, there were still flip phones, you know, when you were the last time the GM of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> the light world has changed. I'm sorry. Yes, social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to talk about. And the problem is, like we said, like players – like whatever, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, they see other guys around the league that they know they're better than. Everybody else in football kind of knows they're better than. But, you know, in the world of media and social media and everything like that, they're not considered better because that guy's team wins and theirs doesn't. And they're going, this is crazy. So I'm being held to a standard because of what my support system here and things like that. And I'm being compared to that guy. So guys are taking matters into their own hands. And, you know, and in the very last, like the the other thing I'll say to Mike about that, you know, is the QB diva thing to a degree. 
run, it, I mean, it, it started with Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers to a degree, where it was just like, here's the red carpet, you're king of the organization. I mean, the, the NFL created the cute quarterback diva thing. The NFL made the quarterback bigger than the rest of the league and bigger than the coaches and the second guy in charge after the owner. I mean, the NFL did that, so don't blame the players. The NFL is in the, is in the wrong here for what they created this monster out of the quarterback position. And it's a small price to pay when you consider the roots it's of the true. This right. goes back to the right. 70s when they decided, you know what? The game's a lot more exciting when we score more points. It's a lot more exciting when the football is flying through the air, not when a guy is running between the guard and the tackle for seven yards. So let's goose the rules to make it more conducive to throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. Let's goose the rules to protect the guys right. who throw the ball down the field because it's a pretty special skill and not nearly enough of them have it. And that built up the quarterback. It that did. makes the quarterback more important. The fact that the quarterback's protected, the fact that the quarterbacks are playing into their 40s, That's right. they are more important. So you got to accept that. And, you, and, and it's very simple. It's the NBA attitude that is creeping into the NFL, bumping up against the old school Green Bay Packers, starting right. with Ron Wolf. You right. just work here. You go sit down and shut up. You know, the way the Seahawks treated Russell Wilson when he was trying to give input on why their offense sucked, when they had a short week turnaround to play the Cardinals on a Thursday night, and he goes in and he has ideas, and they politely tell him, get the hell out. Yeah. You can't treat your franchise quarterback that way because of Tom Brady. Tom Brady has screwed up so many franchises in the NFL because he jumped from the Patriots to the Buccaneers. They let him run the show. They give him the keys to the car. They hire all of his friends, and they won a Super Bowl. That's what's making guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson say, get me the hell out of here and put me on a team where they're going to respect me. They're going to let me be part of this. They, they, they know how important I am. They're going to act that way and not treat me like the other guys in the locker room. I, I agree. I, I think it's a. I almost think because I've, I've you've said this and I think you're spot on. It's the Brady effect, and the other thing I'm going to say it's the Mahomes effect. I do think it's Mahomes too because I think a lot of players look at him and just go, "Damn, he got drafted and got lucky and got to be a part of this team that's got guys running four two everywhere, and the coach just went all in on it, and they were there already." And that's where these quarterbacks are looking at it and go, damn, well, my GM didn't draft Tyree Kill and Kelsey and all these things. So I guess I got to make my own moves. And I think that forces the, the issue a little with these guys too. Yeah. You're starting to sound like. Yeah. You're starting to sound like somebody who would say that <laughs> no. as these guys enter the NFL, <laughs> they should be able to select where they're going to play. I that's what I think you that. said. That's what I think you said. <laughs> I got no, I did not say that. I did not say that. And I'm not a fan of your idea there. No, no, but no, I am. But your idea is the, let yes. him get drafted. And if it doesn't work, then they say, get me the hell out of here, <laughs> right. which is really the same thing. <laughs> right. I know you're right. But yeah. Hey, listen, you evaluate the situations, the guys. Yeah. This is the way the NFL is right now. I think you're exactly right with the Brady thing, everything like that. Hey, guys are looking at the Brady thing too to also go, you know, yeah, he was in New England. He had these great coaches. They always had a cutting-edge game plan. He had these advantages. And then when that fizzled out, he did that and still got another championship, like you're saying. It's like a double whammy with him. And I think that's hitting home with players, quarterbacks, especially because they're going, I have one, he has seven. I have one, he has seven. He's not six times better than me. He's not. And I think that's going to drive quarterbacks crazy, too, to, to have to hear that you know, part of it. Yeah, how many would I have if I'd been the Patriots quarterback from 2005 onward like Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, right. Instead I mean, of the that's one that creep. he got in Green Bay. Right, right. Um, all right, well, one team that constantly is linked to these disgruntled quarterbacks is the Miami Dolphins because we just have a feeling they're not as happy with their guy as they should be. It looks like they're going to try this year to give him every opportunity to become the guy that they want long term. We'll talk about what the Dolphins are doing with Tua Tonga Vailoa and PFT Live continues right after this. It's all American. No drafts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.